Hi there, my name's Dan and I'm one of the pastors here and Happy New Year on this first Sunday of 2021. I wonder if you have an agenda for this year. Normally this would have been the season for making plans, resolutions, but then I suppose after last year, we're all being a little bit more cautious. But the good news is, even if we don't have a plan, Jesus does. Even if the rest of the world sounds like noise, he wants to help us hear the music. So at the turn of this year, I thought it would be good for us to look again at Jesus's agenda. Right at the beginning of his work, Jesus stands up and he says, this is what it's all about. And he then invites us to take this agenda and make it ours as well. So our reading for today is found in Luke chapter four, starting at verse 14. This is what it says. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. When Jesus stands up in his hometown and reads from the prophet Isaiah, this is like his manifesto for his ministry. This is what his work is all going to be about. He's just been baptized, he's just been tested in the wilderness, and then we're told that he returns to his hometown in the power of the Spirit. And it's like he's saying, what you're about to see, this is what it's all about. And it's a revolutionary manifesto, and you have your part to play in seeing it fulfilled. Here, Jesus is saying, there are two things on my agenda, the transformation of lives and the transformation of society. He wants to work in you and through you. Firstly, transformed lives. Jesus starts with us because he loves us, but also he wants to use us and work through us. And there can't be an overflow if there isn't an inflow. And so this message of hope is for each and every one of us. This message of hope is for you today. The spirit of the Lord is here today. And he is here for those of us who feel that we have nothing left to give. For those of us who have nothing left to give, he has come to proclaim good news to the poor. For those of us who feel trapped in our ways, he is here to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. For those of us who feel far from God and we're not sure what he's like, he has come to give recovery of sight to the blind. And for those of us who feel too heavy to carry on, he has come to set the oppressed free. And in everything, the Spirit of the Lord is here today to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
Now, whenever I hear something like this, I don't know about you, but I'll often hear that God is for me, that he loves me, and I'm like, where's the catch? Like, like where's the small print? I, I'm waiting for something to come along that I wasn't expecting. And that would have been the same for those people on that day when they listened to Jesus, because they would have known the passage that Jesus just read from, and they would have known that he stopped in the middle of a sentence. In the original, it says this, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. And I think everyone in that room would have felt the dot, dot, dot. They would have been like, go on. And instead, Jesus rolls up the scroll. And there's two reasons we want him to go on. One is that we kind of want vengeance against those who we dislike. We, we want someone to come and sort them out. But also, we're aware of our own guilt. We're aware of the things that we do that are wrong. And so often we think, yeah, he's nice to us now. But, but one day, you know, he's going to turn around and tell us off like we deserve. But let's briefly look at that original passage and what it means there. And then let's ask what it means that Jesus stopped before he got to it. So it says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. There are two things that struck me as I read this a while back. Firstly, it's the day of vengeance of our God. And in the same way, we often assume that we, we know what love is, and then we read that onto God, and in doing so, seriously shortchange ourselves, because God's love is so much more extravagant than we could ever have imagined. But in that same way, we often think that we know what God's vengeance should look like, and then we read that onto him as well. But what we're about to discover is that the day of vengeance of our God is going to look very different to the day of vengeance of other gods. And most importantly, it's going to look very different from the day of vengeance of me, as if I was God. For a start, it's only one day. It's just one day. Do you know what? I'm sometimes still annoyed or get wound up about things that happened years ago. Like my vengeance lingers. It spills over into other parts of my life. But for him, it's contained. He's able to look at us separate from that. It doesn't cloud everything in a way that human anger seems to. For him, it is just one day. And importantly, in contrast, his favor lasts a year. We have the day of his vengeance, but the year of the Lord's favor. His favor is 365 times greater than his vengeance. And that is such good news because, you know, often when, when we're wanting to speak of God's favor, the temptation is to downplay his anger at sin and injustice and evil in the world, but, but also in our own lives. But do you know what? We don't have to. What this means is that, you know, if we do that, we lower his glory and we underplay his goodness, but just to the limit of our expectations. But no, he is more holy than we ever imagined. And then whatever you imagine his holiness to be, whatever you imagine his heartache and injustice to be, his anger towards sin, his favor and affection towards you is 365 times greater. Unless it's a leap year, in which case it's 366 times greater. Or, or unless you're using the Chinese calendar, in which case every third or fourth alternating year is 385 times greater. His favor is greater than his frown. And though it's often hard to believe and hard to receive, that's what it says here. 
365 times greater. That, that's a lot of favor, especially when you compare it to our sin. But the truth is there is more mercy in Christ than there is sin in me. And the original hearers, they'd have been on the edge of their seats. They'd have been like, go on, go on. It's like somebody played, and then they don't finish it. And you're like, come on, finish it, finish it, bring home the cadence. And I think what Jesus is saying here is, look, you're expecting vengeance, but what you're going to get is mercy. You're expecting a frown, and what you're going to find is his favor. In fact, you're about to see what years of the Lord's favor looks like poured out out on your towns and your villages. And then you will see the day of his vengeance, but it won't happen as you expect. It will happen on a cross on a hill outside of Jerusalem. And the earth will shake and the skies will darken, but he will come and it will not come at us, but will come on him. And he takes our punishment in our place because his favor is greater than his frown. And that means that when his vengeance came, his right and correct anger against sin, injustice and evil in our lives and in our world, it meant that when it came, he was on our side. He hates sin, but he loves you. And so he sides with you against your sin, not against you because of your sin. And that means we can be free. We can be free from our limited loves, our diminished desires, and the burdens that we needlessly carry, which is not what they expected. And it's not what I expect most days. Our God is not like other gods, and even our best expectations, our highest thoughts, our, our fuzziest feelings can do him enough justice because his favor is greater than his frown. And we read that all spoke well of him, and we're amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. They were expecting to be judged and condemned, and instead he spoke words of God's favor towards them, that he is with them to bring them strength, freedom, vision, and release in the battle that we face against sin. And the result is a transformed life. Now, this doesn't mean that the battle is over. In many ways, the battle against sin has only just begun, but what it means is we can be sure that we will win. Why? Because the spirit of the Lord is on me and he's at work in me to make me holy because he is the Holy Spirit. And because he points back to the cross, what that means is we can know that because Jesus died in our place uh, and it wasn't me on that cross, but it was him on that cross. And because he did not stay in the grave, but three days rose later, he rose again. That means that we can know in the battle against our sin, we will win. The spirit of the Lord is on me. And that is the same power of the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And if that same spirit is living in you, you can know that what he did in him is what he will do in us. Jesus's resurrection from the dead means that there is no area of our lives that we can legitimately look at without hope. Jesus's agenda for you is a transformed life. And it's what we see time and time again, and nothing can get in the way of that. The first thing on Jesus's agenda is a transformed life. The second thing is a transformed society. Jesus has come to proclaim his favor to us, but what has come to us is not supposed to stop with us. The spirit that was on Jesus to bring his favor in our lives through his is the same spirit that is on us to share his favor with others through us. 
what God has done for us, he now wants to do through us. And this now, therefore, is the manifesto for our lives too. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. And it can seem overwhelming. And as always, we're to start where we are, to ask the Lord, what is it that you've prepared for me to do in, in my family, for my neighbours, in my workplace, along these lines today? And it is hard. And it won't always feel like you're making a difference. Kate and I used to live in South London and near our home was a, a quite a big prison. And a while back, someone graffitied on the outside along the prison wall, I love you. And living for Jesus's agenda can often feel a bit like this, trying to say something when everything else seems to be shouting the opposite. But to be honest, it's not our job to worry about the fruit. Our job is just to be faithful. His job is the fruit. Our job is just to be obedient. Another time when we lived in a different part of London, there was a building site next to our house uh, and there was hoarding put all around the site and an artist decided to paint the whole thing white and then put quotes all around it. And right by the entrance to our house, there was this quote, love never fails. And every few weeks, somebody would come along at night and vandalize it. London seems to have a real problem with graffiti. And then the artist would come back and repaint it, and then it would get messed up, and he would repaint it again and again. And Jesus is like that artist. And the promise is that his promise will continue. The graffiti won't last forever, but his promise will. And that is the promise that we're invited to step into and live out. And this starts locally. Jesus says, love your neighbor. But as you put it into practice there, you find it always grows. As you start to pray for that, you find your prayers get bigger and your dreams get bigger too. Jesus came to start a revolution of love. And that means that we have everything we need to pray into and to seek for the transformation in, in all areas of injustice in our world. We start with ourselves are there any areas in my life that I need to change? And then we serve our neighbor and then we see where the Spirit of God takes us. And I know that, uh, that you are all partnering with the Spirit of God in your own lives as individuals and also as connect groups. But I also wanted to give us a chance to hear from some of the team who have been part of some of the collective work that we've been doing together as HDBD. Hello, HGBB. Yo, it's been a while, huh? I'm sure you guys miss me. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, today is well, our food bag delivery days, and I, we decided to bring you guys along with us and see what's happening. And today we have a little bit special things to do, which is uh, we need to collect some fruits from Lost Food Project and then give it away today. And so, yeah, please come with us and see what's happening on the road. Yeah, look at this. These are the fruits. We're also receiving the Kekat duck with a bunch of Milo. Okay, here we are. Me and Mr. Michael kicking off our delivery. So now we're going to the first drop-off point, which is in Pudu. And this place is 
alcohol and drug rehab that run by young girl called Sarah. We just wrap up the deliveries and yeah, we're back here at the hub, but it's a bit raining. And thank you so much for coming along with us. And none of this won't happen without generosity, prayer, and volunteering and helping in many, many ways. So thank you so much and God bless you all. Now, the last thing that our passage gives us a warning about and then an encouragement about is that because this is a work of the Spirit and the flesh hates the things of the Spirit, it will be contested. Whenever you push for more of God's work in and through your life, there will be push back. It's why Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come. And this happened to Jesus, so we probably shouldn't be surprised when we encounter it too. On that day, the crowd had heard and seen Jesus's miracles. They'd heard his teaching. And what we read is all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. And then it goes on to say, isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. And there are two things going on here that are seeking to undercut the Lord's work then, but also in our lives today. The first is familiarity. That is that Jesus is in his hometown and they think, we know this guy, like we saw him as a boy, like who does he think he is? And this can be a challenge for us too. We often forget that we are forgetful. One of the key refrains of the Psalms is remember, remember to remember that we forget to remember. Like we become familiar with Jesus and we can think that we know everything about him and everything that he wants to do and forget that he always has more. Our archdeacon is this wonderful guy called Eddie, and we were chatting to him a while back, and he was sharing how the Spirit of God came in a new and wonderful way and moved in power amongst the Malaysian churches in the 1980s. And he said many people had never experienced anything like it before. People were released in prayer and in worship. Lives were transformed and the joy of the Lord was poured out. And he said it changed dramatically the church. And he said, though, but for those of us who grew up afterwards, the danger is that we forget that this isn't the way it always was. And he says an even bigger danger is we can think this is the best it gets. We're told to eagerly desire to see the spirit at work in us and in God's church. Not, not just to be open to it, but to eagerly desire it. To, to be open to it would be like saying, well, I'm open to loving my spouse. No, that wouldn't do at all. We are to eagerly desire him to be at work in our lives and through our lives. Familiarity is a challenge because we think that we know him and we, we, we know that everything he's going to say and we, we forget that Jesus was constantly amazing people with his amazing grace and the graciousness of his words. But the second challenge here is that there's also an air of suspicion in this question because Jesus isn't Joseph's biological son. Jesus, as we've been celebrating over Christmas, was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And even Joseph 
didn't believe this at first. It, it took God to reveal it to him in a dream for him to believe. Uh, and nobody else around them really did. And so this whiff of scandal follows Jesus and follows his family for the rest of his life. If you've had scandal in your family, Jesus knows what it's like. And even though they don't know for sure, it's just enough to cause a bit of a hesitation, which causes a withdrawal. And it can be the same for us because Jesus says he is for us, but what about last year? He says he's for us, but what about this or, or that? And even if that isn't what we feel towards Jesus in this moment, it is always the tactic of the enemy towards us in any given moment. Anytime you get excited about the things of God's kingdom, the devil comes to us and says, who do you think you are? Aren't you the son of so-and-so? Aren't you the one who did X, Y, and Z just last week? And so the encouragement for us here is that whenever you do sense the enemy saying that to you, you're in good company because it's what he said about Jesus just when he was getting going too. And actually though, there is some truth to it. In the flesh, that is all I am. I am just the son of so-and-so. And yes, in my past, there is X, Y, and Z. In the flesh, that is all I am. But in Jesus, I'm more than my past, my present, or even my future. In Jesus, I am empowered by the Holy Spirit. And in the Spirit, we are way more than we ever expected. And God is able to do way more than we ever imagined. Which is why we read that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And if Jesus needed the Spirit's power, then it would make sense that we do too. So, should we ask him to come and fill us afresh? Let's pray. Why don't we stand wherever we are? And you might like to hold your hands out as a sign to say, Jesus, I want to receive what you've got for me. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that in the same way you rested on Jesus, you want to rest on us now. Come Holy Spirit, we invite you into our hearts and our lives afresh. We wait 